Welcome in to Two Foreign Drafts, the first post-draft Two Foreign Drafts podcast we've ever done, Mike. Yeah, it's not the post-full draft, but post-round one. It is 1 a.m. Friday right now. Mike, how you feeling? I am fucking wired, to be completely <laughs> honest, dude. I was just like on for four hours. I was even debating taking some PEDs prior to this, but no, I was... It was all clean. That was the pure performance on my part there. So I'm still wired from a maybe one cup of coffee during. I did rip two smelling salts uh, during the uh, yeah. during the live broadcast, which, which were not great, by the way. I, <laughs> I, I like ended up tearing up point, offset. Right? Like it was like this was a mistake. I thought it was funny at first. This was a mistake, but that mm. that was a lot of fun. If you did not watch us live on YouTube or Twitter, I encourage you to watch us tomorrow or I guess today, since it is 1 a.m. on Friday. Today we're going to do the same thing. For day two, which will be a lot of fun. For this podcast, we are going to actually grade every pick in the first round of the 2020 NFL Draft and then finish with our favorite picks in the first round and then our least favorite picks and then the biggest surprise picks in the first round of this draft. Overall, I thought it was a little more tame. I thought there were going to be more trades. I thought more players were going to get traded. It heated up towards the end, I'll say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it did heat up. I mean, you saw the 49ers. It trade went back real chalk, though, early. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it, I thought we were going to see more activity early. Like, both the quarterbacks taken, you didn't have to trade for. Like, everyone's talking. I mean, it was very interesting. But let's get into it. Let's go ahead and kick this off here. Bengals number one, quarterback Joe Burrow. You have an A. I have an A for this grade. I mean, do we have to talk about this too much? I'll just, I went A because I just love it. I like it. No <laughs> overthinking, no trade, whatever. They did it. So, A. I mean, what, I mean, there's nothing really more to say. Like, this was the pick yeah. the whole way. Yeah. Like, I mean, Joe Burrow to the Cincinnati Bengals, this makes their team the – this is the pick that makes their team better more than any of the other ones. I think it's obvious. I'm excited to see him play in stripes. Washington Redskins, they take Ohio State edge defender Chase Young. What's your grade? What's your take? So, A, I mean, it's hard to – so, if, I, if that's who I would have taken at the given spot, that's straight up an A. Like, that, apparently, there wasn't a trade offer – for any of the top four picks after the Bengals. After Joe Burrow went off the board, no one came in looking for a trade. So if no one offered you a trade, you can't move down. And so I'm going to go with an A there. Yeah, I have an A minus. I mean, a lot of it's speculation. Like if you could trade down, maybe you should have, but I I couldn't go to a B. Like it didn't make sense. I know George and some others maybe gave it a B because like they could have traded down, but like we don't know if they were on the phone. We don't know if they're like denying trade offers. Like it's still a great pick. Like Chase Young, you've already said it. It could be a Hall of Famer in this class. He's that good. Maybe not at the biggest positional value. Maybe you could have upgraded over Chase Haskins, but like, or Chase Haskins, Dwayne Haskins. (laughs) I, I really do like this Chase Young pick for the Redskins. All right, moving to Detroit Lions. I like how this, you know, the first three picks were great. Jeffrey Akuda yeah. the Lions is awesome. I, I love Jeffrey Akuda. I love his fit in Matt Patricia's scheme. Like, I just love, love, love this pick. I'm going to change it from A in the Google Sheet to A+. Oh, you're one-upping me because I just went A. But, yeah, I mean, that's who I would have taken. So, straight up, A. The first five picks here. We go. This one was the one that surprised me, though, at number four, that I'm giving this one an A. I didn't think I'd be giving it an A. But I'm giving Andrew Thomas the Giants. And like that was who I would have taken there if I was drafting for the Giants and no one offered me a trade. Yeah, I mean, I have A minus again for the same reasons I have A minus for Chase Young. Like, I love Andrew Thomas to uh, to the Giants. Can we just say this, though? No one else had Andrew Thomas's offensive tackle one except for PFF. And you've been on that gun for a long time. And I think tip the cap to the Giants saw the same way. Tip the cap that Dave Gettleman agrees with you, Mike Renner. Is that, I was going to say, should that make us rethink? Is that like, is that good? No, I think he knows how to evaluate O line. I, I think he's, that's because that's all he looks at. He just looks at O line, D line all day long. So I trust his evals there. 
There you go. I mean, I have A minus because like maybe they could have traded down. But again, like who? Like the quarterbacks, you didn't have to trade down, so like it's still like, yeah. a good pick. I, I really do like this it, pick. It um, takes two to tango. Is, is the thing that that yes, like every time we keep saying, like George will keep saying on the broadcast, he'll be like, it. You know, you could have gotten more value here. It's like you could only get as much value as what someone's willing to offer you for that pick. Like in a vacuum. Or like, you know, history says you can sometimes get more value, but someone has to give you that offer. And if you call around and no one wants to give you that offer, you're SOL. You sit there and you take the best player available. Thomas was who I would have taken. Agree 100%. All right. The Dolphins staying put at five, not trading their, you know, trading to go up and grab Tua Tungvaloa, staying put and grabbing Tua Tungvaloa of Alabama. This is an A+. You get the second best quarterback in this class, the number two player on PFF's board at fifth overall. I love this pick for Miami. Yeah, I mean, I did not see this one coming. I'll be a hundred percent with you. Did not see it coming, but I love it. Like that's what they needed. He is. He was the guy they were. Ta- he was the tank for Tua. Like he was the number one pick. The guy, if they would have, you know, if everything would have played out the way people expected, he would have been their quarterback anyway. So they still win some games. They get their guy. Now it took maybe a hip injury to get him there, but they get their guy. Yeah, I mean, if they were picking at two, I think they take Tua at two. So to get him at five, I think is a huge win for them. The Chargers. This is where. The grades don't honor rose-colored, okay? We've had back-to-back-to-back A's here for the first five picks. Justin Herbert at sixth overall for the Los Angeles Chargers. I gave it a C-. minus. I see you have a D for this pick. I, I, I don't love this pick, man. I got a D. And it's because he's, he's, not, great. he's not good. And like you, you can make all the excuses for him you want. The offense, whatever. He misses open guys. He hasn't improved in a noticeable manner since his sophomore year. Uh, I don't like what makes you think you're going to fix that at the NFL level. I don't know. I, I just, I can't believe that's what the chargers rolled with. I'm just so floored at this. I mean, I, I couldn't give it a D. I gave it a C minus because I, I do appreciate the fact like you're just swinging the bat on quarterbacks. You know, like there's like Justin Herbert, there's reasons he's valued as a first round pick. Like if you think you can really coach it out of him, maybe, but like, I agree. He's not good. Like he ranked outside the top 25 on PFF's board. There's a ton of reasons to not like, this quarterback to take him at six when maybe you probably win more games taking an offensive tackle here c minus maybe a bit rose colored but i, I think i agree with you in the d <laughs> number seven Derek brown love the of, d <laughs> Derek brown of auburn going to the carolina panthers not taking isaiah simmons not taking one of these wide receivers or these offensive tackles what's your opinion of this pick i went c plus like it was it was how it was like chalking up a W to start your to kick your career off Matt Rule era. You chalk up a W like you're you got a guy you know is gonna be good. You could have gotten be- you could have gotten elite something traits. You could have gotten something I think a little bit better, but I think we all kind of saw this coming you know, for the Panthers if they if they couldn't find someone to trade back with. So I, I'm not gonna hate too much on it. Like I said, you got a very good player. Just question if Brown, like he just doesn't fit the profile of a pass rusher in the NFL. That's all. That's the reason why we're low on it. I have a solid C on this one because I think mm-hmm. you're getting a solid player in Derek Brown, but I don't know if we'll ever even get to that C plus B minus value because he's not going to be that premier pass rusher for you, especially when you have guys like Isaiah Simmons who goes next year. I think Isaiah, I would have rather had Isaiah Simmons. And I know you said this on the broadcast. You don't want to take him because he'll get comparisons to Keekly. I don't care. Like I think he's the better. <laughs> I think he's the better player in this situation. Let's jump to that Isaiah Simmons pick to the Arizona Cardinals at eight. I gave that an A. I like that pick. They could have gone wide receiver. I know Kyler Murray was banging the table for CeeDee Lamb, but I think Isaiah Simmons really makes that defense better. Yeah, I went A-minus. 
which whatever. Like I, I, I like the pick. I, I think it's. I, I don't know what their plan for him is, but they need help. Now, I didn't want to send Devondre Campbell out there as my starter next to Jordan Hicks. I, I think Isaiah Simmons gives you bring something to the table that obviously no one else in this draft class does. So I, I'm a fan of that pick there. I'm surprised they didn't go tackle, but like I said, I kind of went into this thing. They have options at O line, defense. They're really just like hurting for playmakers. They don't have much outside of. Uh, gosh, Chandler Jones and Patrick Peterson. So I think he gives you a playmaker in the middle of that defense. C.J. Henderson, the Florida cornerback, going to the Jacksonville Jaguars at nine. It felt like his stock was rising over the past 72 hours, like with every day, like every minute, you know, he kept going up and up and up. I gave this pick a B. My opinion of this is like, I like the pick. I like, you know, cornerback, obviously high position value. The league really likes this player for his movement skills, but I don't think he's a finished product by any means. I think he does have to get better in a lot of ways, mostly mentally. And I, I don't know. I, I can't speak to how easily that is coached. You know, I don't know, how, like getting that alpha out of him, getting 100% focus out of him all the time. Like, I don't know. Again, I give it a B. I like the player. I, I think at his best, he's great. I just don't know how often you'll see it. So I almost like the Jaguar strategy in that they took two guys who I would qualify as projects, athletic projects. Mm-hmm. CJ Henderson has the skills to be a high level cornerback in the NFL. He's he's not at the moment. You know, Caleb on Chase on pick twenty has the skills to be a high level edge defender. He's not at the moment. So like, there's a good chance that both of them will not be great as rookies. But that's kind of what you want right now. Like you want to be bad next year for Trevor Lawrence. They are firmly in the mix for him. So yeah, I as much as I don't necessarily love. Uh, the value at CJ Henderson ninth overall. I'm not going to, that one I actually, I I can get on board with uh, for them. I gave it a B minus. I think that's a great take. Actually, you take two projects that could be great players in the future because you're a project team. You're you're not, you're not a team that's supposed to be good next year. Like Gardner Minshew, I, Mm -hmm. I mean, had a good season, this past year compared to expectations, but is he your guy? Is this team ready to compete for you know, a playoff spot with him? I don't know. I think taking project players as a project or rebuilding team is actually smart. I, I think that's a, that's a really good take from you. All right. Jedrick Wills, the Alabama offensive tackle going to the Browns. I love this. Like Jedrick Wills is awesome. And him following the Browns at 10, I, there were situations where like they weren't even going to have a shot at like Mekhi Becton or Josh Jones with some of the mock drafts I saw to get Jedrick Wills. Who's a offensive tackle one on a lot of people's boards. Don't be overconfident in your evaluation. This guy is a very good player. According to a lot of people, I think at 10, it's a good value. Yeah, I have a minus written down here, but screw that. I'm going back to a, I don't know why I put a minus. That's who I would have taken if I'm there for the Browns. Like he's, I, I think he has that sort of ability in pass protection that you, the movement skills are just off the charts with him and you see it every single play. And He's probably not as pro ready as Tristan Wirfs. Like he might not be the guy right out the gate, but I think you got you got. Like, I'm surprised the tackles fell like this because I think he's a much better player than the tenth overall pick in most classes. All right, New York Jets. They take Mackay Becton of Louisville. I mean, he's the 45th ranked player on PFF's board. Not going to love this pick. I have a C for it. Like again, this is a project offensive tackle, and you had this take on the broadcast tonight. Taking project offensive tackles can be tough because it's hard to recruit that value in their rookie year. What's your opinion of this Mackay Becton pick? Yeah, he really is a freak, is the thing. Like he you talk about generational physical tools and we overuse generational. But no one's no one's looked like him since like Jonathan Ogden or Orlando Pace. Like it's been a while since a dude came in, in the NFL that is that big and moves that well. So He's. It makes it life easier at the tackle position. 
I don't think it necessarily makes Sam Darnold's life easier next year, though. Like, I don't think he's going to be pass-checking at a high level right out the gate, which I would have preferred getting a guy who would do that for you, for the Jets. So I go, I went C+. All right, moving down the list here. Um, sorry. Uh, going to Tristan Wirfs, the Iowa to tackle. The Buccaneers traded you, up You didn't once. want to talk about your boy? Henry Ruggs, I just skipped Henry him. Ruggs? I just skipped him. Oh, my gosh, that's absurd. Okay, Las Vegas Raiders, they grabbed Henry Ruggs of Alabama. I would have taken Jerry Judy over Henry Ruggs. I would have taken CeeDee Lamb over Henry Ruggs. But, I mean, I, I like the player more than you do. I know you've been tweeting yeah. out that he's not that deep threat, that kind of stuff. I like the Hen- I like Henry Ruggs more than you do. I like the ball skills, the hand size. This guy is a, is a good catcher of the football, and I think that doesn't always come with speed. You've seen guys like John Ross, mm-hmm. Darius Hayward Bay that have the speed but can't catch, a, you know, can't catch a cold. I think Henry Ruggs, good ball skills, a better route runner than he's given credit for. Though at this point, tw- Twitter's calling him a great route runner. They love this guy. Man. I think Henry Ruggs is a good player. I like the pick at 12, but I would have taken other receivers here. I still go B plus because he's so dangerous. He does he does impose his will on defenses, force defenses to do different things. So that's the thing. It, it's this feels like man, this feels like they're trying to almost put. I don't want to say put lipstick on a pig, but I can't think of a better analogy right now in terms of like what the Chiefs did with Alex Smith. It's like let's make him throw downfield by having guys who just run. You know, having a four two seven guy. Let's make him do that when. I don't think you can reinvent Derek Carr at this point. I just don't think that's going to be his game. He's going to want to get the ball out of his hands quickly. And those aren't the routes Ruggs wins. Like, Ruggs running a slant is not good. Like, he was not a guy that consistently got open on routes like that. He's not a guy that got off the line of scrimmage, like, with space to work consistently. Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb are guys like that. That's Those are guys that fit with Derek Carr. So unless you're trying to, you know, unless Marcus Mariota is their option here, is who they're going with, I'm not sure that... Like, I just would have gone with one of those other two wide receivers before Ruggs. So I gave it a C plus. Yeah, I mean, it's night and day. You want to compare Henry Ruggs to Jerry Judy and C. Lamb, specifically looking at their ability to create separation at the short and intermediate levels. It's night and day. Like Jerry Judy and C. Lamb do that religiously, consistently. And I think taking Ruggs over those two and maybe trying to force the dog out of Derek Carr is a bit aggressive on John Gruden's part. I know, and I've heard him say this, he wants his version of Tyreek Hill. Henry Ruggs has that comparison in a lot of ways. Maybe that's why he went with it. All right. Can I can I just like throw my two cents of the Tyreek Hill? Tyreek Hill had a 6'5", three cone. He was 185 pounds, but only 5'8", coming out. Henry Ruggs is the same weight, but 5'11". Like he, he is a lot skinnier and does not like he didn't run the three cone, but he does not like when Tyreek Hill touches the ball, he looks different every single time. You don't. Like he, he's just don't put Tyreek Hill on him. Tyreek Hill is different. Like the, let's not let's not compare him to that. And Tyreek Hill being raw coming out of Oklahoma State and whatever West Alabama is fine because he was a running back in college. He was not a wide receiver. You expect a running back to be raw at wide receiver. All right, Tristan Wirfs, the Iowa offensive tackle. Buccaneers traded up one spot for this. I don't have the trade details in front of me. I don't think it was significant, though. It was they pretty, did. yeah. It was like it a was, fourth rounder, and then they got a seventh rounder back or something. Yeah, so they trade up one spot to grab Tristan Wirfs, the Iowa offensive tackle. I like this pick a lot. Like Tristan Wirfs, yep. I didn't think they were going to have a chance at Tristan Wirfs, and maybe they didn't think that either. That's why they traded up and made sure they got him. I mean, this guy's super rare. You talk about rare athleticism. He broke records for 315-pound-plus you know, players that have ever participated in the combine. Like this guy has records for vertical jump broad for, I mean, this guy's just a very special athlete. I think there's technique that can improve. You talk to him. He says, I got to get better. I can't overset as much as I do, but like, I think the kid's demeanor, he's still a very young player, all the tools in the world. I I think he's a very good pick for the bucks at uh, 13. 
Yeah, to me, there were three special tackles in this class. Three guys who had elite grading profiles, elite physical tools that made you think that, you know, these guys are different than most, the majority, vast majority of offense tackle prospects coming out of college. Wirfs was the last one on the board. And for the Buccaneers to get them, get one of those guys with a four, you know, starting at 14th overall, not having to give up too much draft capital to do it, massive home run. Because we kept saying before, you know, they need help there. They can't trot out Joe Haig. So this one, big W, A, A for me. Yeah, I gave it an A grade as well. Javon Kinlock then goes to the San Francisco 49ers at 14. I know um, George Chahuri did not like this pick. He wanted them to go after one of these wide receivers that was available, Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb. I gave it a B minus because I agree. I I would have rather had Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb here. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. But I'm not going to go into the C's or D's for this pick because Javon Kinlock is still a very good player, the top interior defensive lineman on PFF's board, and you're immediately replacing DeForest Buckner with a, a guy with a similar frame, a guy that I think can do a lot of similar things at the NFL level. So I'm going to, I, I low-key love the 49ers draft. Like George can huff and puff all he wants, but this is, this is the way, this is the best way things could have played out for them. Because if they go Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb, both are great, great wide receivers. I don't think they fit necessarily what, Cal, like they're not Cal Shanahan. I mean, CeeDee Lamb's a Cal Shanahan scheme fit, but th- that route running ability and that sort of stuff is almost wasted. They do a lot of like zone beaters in that offense. It's not necessarily like they scheme guys open. You don't need you don't need them is what I'm saying. You can get a Brandon Ayuk later on who's as dynamic as those guys ahead of him with the ball in his hands. And Cal Shanahan will be able to get the ball in his hands. And then all of a sudden they're like basically on par in terms of what they can do after the catch. But you're not going to find anyone close to Javon Kinlaw in this draft class. You don't find Javon Kinlaw in every draft class. I've said you find Derek Browns in a lot of draft classes. You don't find 6'6 with his length and his power in a lot of draft classes. That's like a tried and true sort of physical profile to pass rushing success at the NFL level. If you would have taken him seventh overall, no one bats an eye here for him going there with how talented he is. And you got him at 14th. So I, I do think that this was, I gave it a B plus because of the positional value, whatever. But what I said on the broadcast, what we need to make some t-shirts of, and I'm going to say this again and again, because I love this slogan. And I just came up with it the other day. It's eliteness over completeness, filling out your roster with okay guys. So every position is like, okay. I don't think that moves the needle in the NFL with the way the game is played by being utterly dominant at one unit to change the way the other to change the way opponents have to play. Basically when you have a defensive line that's as dominant as the 49ers is changes the way you have to play. If you were just good in the secondary and good on your defensive line, you don't necessarily have to change the way you play as an offense. So to me, this changes the way opposing offenses have to play them in 2020. All right, Denver Broncos at 15. I, I really do like the take you have on the San Francisco 49ers draft overall because I think a lot of people would look at it and maybe not love it. They trade it back into the first round for Brandon Ayuk, uh, th- those things. But like Javon Kinlaw, very good player, B-plus pick for them. I gave it a B-minus. Denver Broncos, Jerry Judy, I gave this an A-plus. Like Jerry Judy at 15 is not what the Broncos thought they could get. I, I'm sure they consider trading up to make sure they got a Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb. They end up getting Jerry Judy at 15. I think it's perfect for Drew Locke, perfect for what they want to do. I, complimenting Cortland Sutton. I love this pick, A+. plus. Yes, A+. plus. I mean, Jerry Judy, we had him fifth on our board. He's just... And he's like safe, 
better than a lot of guys with the way he runs routes. Like that's the things that the reasons wide receivers don't work out in the NFL is because they don't know how to run routes. They have, you know, terrible ball skill. Like they can't play through contact or they can't get off line of scrimmage. Jerry Judy, like is fine for two of those. I mean, playing through contact, whatever we haven't seen as much of, but like it's because guys can't really touch him for the most part with how quick he is. So yeah, I, I think Jerry Judy, that one, I love that pick a plus. All right, A.J. Terrell, the Clemson cornerback, goes off the board at 16 to the Falcons. I gave this a B-. minus. I like A.J. Terrell's movement skills. I think he can be very good in the NFL. Maybe he never gets that much better at the catch point. But I think in the Falcons scheme, I, I like the pick. Maybe a bit of a reach on PFF's board, but like at a high positional value, I'm going to give that a B-. minus. Yeah, I went C+. Maybe that's a little harsh going C+. Because I, I do like Terrell. I just didn't think that that's... 16th overall pick. I, I don't know where else I would have necessarily gone. Like CeeDee Lamb, obviously I would have loved. But like, I just thought it was a very much, here's the guy that fits our scheme. Mm-hmm. Here's the guy that has the length. It's We're not sexy. Draft him it's no not sexy. And, then, yeah. and we said that on the broadcast. Like AJ Terrell's tape isn't sexy. But you do watch it. If you watch all those reps and you see him in single coverage, like you do get it. Like you get yeah. why teams are going to covet him. I said this on the broadcast as well. The reason Jeffrey Kuda, CJ Henderson, and AJ Terrell are the first three cornerbacks off the board is because they are a few special movers like they have good athletic ability and you see that in their match and mirror ability in single coverage all right 17 slam dunk city cowboys grab cd lamb at 17 like they did not think this was going to happen i know jerry jones was by himself but like he was screaming at the top of his lungs when he was able to bring this pick in dude this one was awesome like of all the picks in the first rounds joe burrow is my favorite but like this one was just screw it like, this guy's too good. We have needs elsewhere. We have, again, we have a defense that's whatever, but we're going to light up scoreboards with this receiving core. And you're like, good luck stopping us. You know, that sort of thing. So I love this pick. A plus. Yeah, man. I mean, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup. This is this is an awesome receiving core. And that Dak Prescott there, I'm not even going to bring up Ezekiel Elliott. You don't even need him. Don't give him carries. Give these guys <laughs> carries. I, I want to see touches to all of these receivers. All right. Dolphins at 18. Austin Jackson of USC. Man, we talked about this a ton when we were doing the live show, like drafting projects at offensive tackle. Yes, he's a young player. Yes, he's had this upside. I was listening to, I think it was Lance Zierlein, who said he got a ton of feedback that Austin Jackson's this pure left tackle. He's a true left tackle. Sorry, true left tackle because of the length. He's built in the lab to play the position. But like, I just don't know how long it's going to take until you get that production from him. Like he doesn't fill a need for you. Like he's a project in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, we've, went over why it's a project in like previous pods and why we're not fans of him. He's really low on our board, but I want to like talk about the actual fact of drafting a project tackle. And yes, the dolphins are another team like the Jaguars in a situation where you can take projects. But the scary thing about projects at tackle is you never really give up on them. And by the time they come good for the most part, you're all of a sudden paying them and then you're paying them top dollar. So Maybe he maybe he figures it out. Not even twenty or one years old. Say he figures it out, but it's in year four, and then next year you're paying him the fifth year option, which is a lot more expensive nowadays with under the new CBA. And then you have to extend them, you know, f- fully. But say he never figures it out, you don't give up on those guys. Like the Rams almost never gave up on Greg Robinson, and he was awful, awful, awful for years because you you keep thinking if the guy's like working hard at least. This is the year the switch flips. This is it. He's you keep plugging him back in there, and you keep getting bad results out of him. So 
Yeah, I don't. I'm not on board with drafting tackle projects early in the draft. Take those shots in day two. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, that takes rock solid. All right, Damon Arnett, the Ohio State cornerback that you did not expect going in the first round. I think he ranked outside the top 70 on PFF's board originally. I I added incomplete for this one because I got to be honest, <laughs> I I didn't watch a ton of this guy's tape. Like I watched yeah. some of it. I I, can't, I came away impressed with some of the reps I saw. I know the Rutgers game was fantastic, but before I let you give your take here, I kind of wanted to read something from. Um, Tom Pelissero that he wrote, and when he was rumoring Damon Arnett as a top, you know, top nineteen pick, I think he gives good background on what's probably the most important part of Damon Arnett's projection, and it's the off-field stuff. So entering his senior year with the Buckeyes, Arnett, six foot one ninety-five, had a reputation going back to high school as a handful for coaches, cocky, prone to running his mouth, and and uh, and a guy they worry might struggle managing his life once he left the facility. But the word out of Ohio State this spring is Arnett matured under the wing of Jeff Halfley, spent one season as the Bucks co-defense coordinator, blah, blah, blah. Arnett became a father and seems to have more purpose now. Here in second team, you know, played through a wrist injury, tough experience, plays with more swagger than anyone in this class. Like, they, like he has this off-field concerns that kind of hurt him. You've talked about, I've heard this before, but like Chris Carter said, he's not mature enough to play in the NFL after the 2018 season. Like, there's off-field stuff here. I, I, it's a head scratcher for me because, like, I don't, I wouldn't even consider him a special mover either. Like, this isn't a special mover at cornerback. I think he has that swagger, the ball skills, whatever you want there. But like, I, I, incomplete for me. I haven't watched enough tape, but I don't love the pick overall. Yeah, to me, he was just like, all right. And I, I felt even less all right about him than, you know, A.J. Terrell. Like, he, he attacks the catch point well. He's kind of physical. But I said this on the broadcast. Like, he went up against Quintez Cephas, and Cephas got off the line of scrimmage and pressed against him, like, easy every time. And Quintez Cephas is not going to be drafted until f- fifth round, maybe. And, and that was, uh, like, and Quintez Cephas was stacking him down the field, and Quintez Cephas runs like a four-seven-three, And he... Arnett himself ran a four five seven in the track record of slow cornerbacks. Just like it's not the, it's not worth taking in round one, in my opinion. So I, mean, I went. And he's to, an older guy too, right? Yeah, he's going to be twenty four as a rookie. I mean, older guy, off field concerns, not a special athlete. Like, how much does swagger matter? Like, I, I don't yeah. know. Like, okay, he plays tough, he plays aggressive, but like nineteenth overall pick. Yeah, Chase on Rager coming off the board soon after. I don't know. I I, I would have rather double dipped Henry Ruggs and Jalen Rager. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I feel like that could have been pretty fun. All right, number twenty, Jacksonville Jaguars. They bring in, and I like this guy more than you, even though I don't love him. Yeah, edge defender Caleb on Chase on of LSU. I gave it a B minus. Let me hear my take. I think the high end is awesome, and I think similar to kind of what you said before, like he's a project player that if you get his high end a lot it's going to be awesome. Like you're going to get a very productive edge defender. Like it's how confident are you with his arm length that you're going to get that high end all the time. Fair. I like you be minus. I'll go C plus with it. I think he has, it can, the switch could flip with him. Like you, he has such a weird profile in terms of like, he's beaten good tackles. Like he has reps against good tackles. You're like, damn. So, if you're telling me in three years, that's like he's he's gotten a lot more consistent because, again, he is young. He's gotten a lot more consistent over that span, and now he's beating tackles consistently. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. So I think the Jaguars are in a position to take those shots. Um, and obviously, I don't think Yannick Ngakwe is playing there anytime soon. So, yeah. I, I just, I'm sorry. I was reading through Twitter while you were discussing that, but I also have to say this guy. Kyle Shanahan said Brandon Ayuk was his top-rated receiver in this class. We're going to mm. get to that pick later, but that that's – uh surprising for sure all right um with Caleb on chase on again like it's it's I think the thing that you that you said there was like 
he can flip the switch. But like, how? What's the range of outcomes? Like, how confident are you that he does? I think that's why I got it at a B minus. All right, Jalen Rager, love this pick, my friend. Twenty one. I I think the the draft prop was plus one ten that he goes in the first round. I was all over it. Jalen Rager in the first round felt like a lock. I love yeah. this guy. Very explosive. Perfect for what the Eagles want. Steve's mock T Higgins here. That's a joke. Jalen Rager. This is the juice you want in Philly. I love this pick. That's dude. He was always going in the first round. Speed does not last in the NFL draft. Like people lose their minds over speed. I was fairly confident Henry Ruggs was going to be the first receiver off the board. Uh, and Jalen Rager going in the first round seemed like a thing that was always going to happen. So uh, now while he doesn't run a four, two, two, he probably runs in the four threes realistically. So I, I'm a fan uh, of his game. And this is what, this is what they needed, you know, on that, uh, in that Eagles receiving core with Deshaun Jackson going to be 34 this year, not can't rely on him at this point in his career. So uh, they needed the speed. Man, I am so excited for him in that offense. I think he's going to thrive. All right, Justin Jefferson, LSU wide receiver, goes to the Vikings at 22. They needed a wide receiver. I just don't know if they needed this one. I, I struggle to give this pick a C. I, get, I went with a B- minus because Justin Jefferson is so talented. He's a 32nd-ranked player on PFF's board. He does the little things well. He's very smart. The ball skills are awesome. And I, the, the, the end of my article that I wrote on Justin Jefferson, which I feel like sums up my take very well, is like, Justin Jefferson's very talented, very smart, finds open holes in zone coverage. Just don't draft him over receivers that win more valuable routes outside the numbers against single coverage. And that's where I felt with him. I think B minus for the Vikings here. Yeah, I, the fit, I don't, I just, I I, th- I would have rather had Rager. Now, Justin Jefferson is a good receiver. Like he has great ball skills. To me, he's like a similar receiver to Adam Thielen. And that's why I didn't think that's where they'd go. Cause like redundancy is kind of a thing at receiver. You don't want too many of the exact same types who have to run the same route trees because then you, you know, you can't all run the same route in the same place. So I, there is something to that, but I think they're all shifty enough that it's not that big of a deal. The types of wide receivers there, are. I don't think it's a massive deal. So uh, I'm obviously have been vocal about being lower on Justin Jefferson, but I give it a B minus. Like I still, I think addressing wide receiver there was a good pick. Yeah, and Adam Thielen can win on the outside. Like, you can put Justin Jefferson in the slot and have more Adam Thielen play more outside. I don't know. Like, okay, Kenneth Murray, Oklahoma. Dude, they traded up with the Patriots to get Kenneth Murray, an off-ball linebacker that, like, top 50 type of player maybe, top 60 type of player. But, like, I still, like, even saying that, it's, like, because he has explosive ability, because he has, like, that straight-line speed. But, like, when you really think about, okay, he's like fantastic at this like kind of specific role, that role doesn't have a ton of value. Like the comparison I have for him in the NFL was Rashawn Evans. And like, I, I don't know if I like love Rashawn Evans, even though he's been successful against the run in bits. Like Kenneth Murray trading up for him over Patrick Queen. I, I couldn't believe it. I gave this one an F. Yeah, I gave it an F too. Oh man, I, the Chargers, dude. I loved like their last three drafts and this one. I don't know what to say, dude. Like, I don't like that pick at all. I, I, he is a run. He is not. I don't think he's the type of linebacker that you win with in today's NFL. Like, he closes ground really well. He's going to make plays and limit yak, and that's kind of his bread and butter. But he's not a playmaker, and he's not a guy who who can, like, make plays in coverage, like plays on the ball in coverage. I think those are yeah. the guys you want in today's NFL. So, I don't know. I, I've been shitty at scouting linebackers, so maybe I should hedge my bets here, but I still want to have. Yeah, I, it's interesting. So they traded the 37th overall pick and picked 71 to go up to 23 and grab Kenneth Murray, and then they drafted Justin Herbert at six. Like, 
dude, I do not like this class for the Chargers. Like, it's two guys we really didn't like for first-round type of players. Like, at least for where they were. Or like, man, tough, <laughs> tough scene. You hate to see that. All right, Saints here. You were 95% confident these guys oh. were trading up. Wait, and I didn't did. say just first round, though. Or did I? I said <laughs> I don't know 95% confident they're trading a future pick, and it's not too late for that. Regardless, I still think you're a bum. Cesar Ruiz <laughs> at 24, I gave this a C plus because, like, I like Cesar Ruiz, and I even said this on broadcast. Like, you watch some of his film. Like, I think the film against Alabama is awesome. Like, you really see the strengths in his game. But, like, the reason I can't get him bored of him is, is for multiple reasons here. It's that – Path to the field really isn't there. Like, they just drafted Eric McCoy, Larry Warford. I know he's on the last year of deal. And then you have uh, Andres Pete, one of the highest paid guards. And then you factor in positional value. And then you factor in, like, when this guy does see the field, maybe Drew Brees has already hung up the cleats, is in, in the NBC broadcasting booth. Like, I thought they were trying to win now. I, I, I just don't think Cesar Ruiz is that win now pick. I, I gave it a C. Plus. Yeah, I, this one was interesting, but I gave it a B for the process. And I, because this is better process than what they've been doing in the past, because this is playing for the future. Now, interestingly enough, when they drafted Ryan Ramchick, they had Zach, uh, gosh, Zach Streif. Yep. Zach Streif is a starter. Then I think he got hurt. And then he retired and Ramchick filled in, uh, as a rookie. And then obviously has been become one of the best tackles in the NFL. But when the, when you have a guy as good as Ruiz there and you think he's, you know, a legit starter, and Larry Warford going into the last year of his contract, I think he pulled the trigger there. So uh, I give it a B. All righty here. I mean, I, again, may, may, maybe I'm being harsh, but I, I don't love that pick. I, I think it would have been better going after someone that could really help them now. All right. San Francisco 49ers trade back into the first round for Brandon Ayuk, apparently Kyle Shanahan's top-ranked receiver in this class. I gave it a B-. minus. I'm lower than on Ayuk than you. But I think for – I like – him in San Francisco probably more than any other offense because you said this great on the on on the broadcast you're saying you know or you said this earlier in the show like like um or in the podcast that like Kyle Shanahan schemes his receivers open therefore it's very important that you're good after the catch that's exactly what Brandon Ayuk does like you look at his percentage of targets and those things a lot of production on screens or shallow crossing routes and those things like that's what Kyle Shanahan kind of wants so like I, I guess I kind of like the fit I think Brandon Ayuk and other offenses probably sucks but like B minus here for the San Francisco 49ers because I think he can thrive with Shanahan. Yeah, that's the thing. He, the question is route running, really simple route trade at Arizona State. Uh, but he has the sort of bounce in his cuts and the yards after catchability that I think can work in that offense. And all you need to do is get the ball in his hands. And now you just have you have Debo Samuel, who was top five in terms of broken tackles for wide receivers last year. You have George Kittle, who led all tight ends in broken tackles. And you have Brandon Ayuk, who was second in terms of – the in terms of FBS, in terms of yards after the catch for wide receivers, you just have dynamic guys with the ball in their hands that I'll trust Shanahan to scheme them open to get the ball in his hands some way or shape or form. And then he is the guy that does the rest of the work, a guy that can take it to the house from anywhere. So I like this pick. I went B+. I would love to be a reporter in this situation and specifically ask Kyle Shanahan, you know, you see so many teams valuing separation and speed and those things. Do you, knowing that you can scheme receivers open, value yak, you know, yak ability more and find yourself in a better position to like take advantage of guys that maybe other players are sleeping on. Because like, they, like I imagine Kyle Shannon in this situation, like, Oh, CD lamb can separate. I don't give a shit. Like I don't need him to separate. I need a guy that can make mm. plays with the ball in his hands. And Brandon Uke's one of my faves. So I don't know. It's interesting to think about. All right. Green Bay Packers, buddy traded up with the Miami dolphins to go oh, get Jordan God. love. I gave this, I think the same grades I gave the Justin Herbert, you know, pick C minus. I can't go into the D's for taking swings on quarterbacks, but taking a swing on a quarterback when this is another team similar to the Saints that's trying to win, 
I just can't get on board with it, man. Like, I don't love the pick for the Green Bay Packers. I don't like Jordan Love. Like, I, I mean, talking to Seth Galina, a great PFF analyst with us, like, he hates Jordan Love. <laughs> not hates, but, like, really dislikes Jordan Love. Like, I just can't get on board with this guy as a first-rounder, let alone someone you trade up for. Dude, this one, I was floored when this came off the board. Like, pure shock. I'm glad it was on the B set when this one came in because I did not want to give a rapid react because it wasn't good. It wasn't good thoughts running through my head. But the more I think about it, become a little more level-headed. And if and um, this is me trying to rationalize it to myself, obviously. Uh, if this lights a fire under Aaron Rodgers and gets him to you know play better football, it's all worth it. It's the pick was 100% worth it. If it gets Aaron Rodgers to play pissed off 2011-2014 type football. But, uh, I mean, realistically, I don't like Jordan Love as a prospect. He is pure project. But Aaron Rodgers is under contract for four years. You have a long time to evaluate him, hopefully, and a long time to develop him that a lot of quarterbacks don't get in the NFL nowadays. If he went to a different situation, he wouldn't have that. So with his tools, uh, he does have elite sort of arm talent. And maybe you can untap that. And he did look a lot better in 2018. And maybe there are actual behind-the-scenes reasons we don't know for why he was bad in 2019. But, uh, yeah, I don't love the pick. I'm not going to hate too much for taking swings at the quarterback position. But, man, they could have improved. They could have been good right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll see how it plays out. But as you know, Brian Gutekunst, GM for the Green Bay Packers, you take a quarterback from a group of five school, who had almost as many interceptions as touchdowns, you better fucking be right. You know, you better be <laughs> right about that call because Fair. how can you justify that to a fan base saying, yeah, you know, I just, I thought he'd be good. And then it's like, at no point was he good the year before I drafted him, but I thought he would be, you know, when everyone's <laughs> bigger, faster, stronger. So yeah, that one's uh, whatever. See, I, I went, see, I'm punting yeah. on my grade. I had C minus there. I think something I was going to bring up is that like with Jordan Love, I think you compared him to Sean Kaiser on the podcast. I mean, I feel like that's you know similar. And I think so some of the other PFF writers are reaching out saying like winners and losers from the first round. Jordan Love's a winner, in my opinion. Like this is a great situation for him. I don't know if it'll actually pan out, but like sitting behind Aaron Rodgers, maybe firing him up, maybe getting an opportunity in the next two to three years, but also getting that opportunity to develop, no pressure to start. Like it is a is it is a winning situation for a developmental quarterback project quarterback like Jordan Love. Going to the Seattle Seahawks, I did not like this pick. You got a B-minus for this. I, I can't get on board. Jordan Brooks, the Texas Tech off-ball linebacker, I know you really like him. But, like, first round, I couldn't get on board with him in the first round, especially over Patrick Queen. So, yeah, the over Patrick Queen thing is I do struggle with, but he is – he's so good in the run game. Like, he is a sure thing. I get why they drafted him in the first round, because he looks like a sure thing in that. Like, the dude can get home in a hurry, and he can be a blitz weapon, too. So if you're going to use him in a role like that, and, and the thing about Seattle's scheme is that it, it's not super d diverse role for the linebackers. You do a lot of, like, spot dropping and coming forward and just making plays in front of you, and that's kind of his game. Like, Bobby Wagner hasn't excelled. Like, he's not a pick machine in Seattle's defense. He cleans up everything in front of him every single time is his sort of like that's his M.O. Mm -hmm. And Bro that's kind of Brooks's M.O. too. Like he'll clean it up in front of him. One of the most sure tacklers and one of the best against the run. And so I think he fits their scheme is why I go B minus. He might even fit it better than Patrick Queen in terms of what they're going to be asking him to do. So I can see I can see the reasoning behind this one. 
Are you not floored that Kenneth Murray and Jordan Brooks went ahead of Patrick Queen and then it was just gifted to the Baltimore Ravens at 28? I gave this pick an A minus. Maybe they could have gone after more valuable position. But like I even said this when we're doing the live show, it's like, I can get behind falling in love with Patrick Queen because his tape is awesome. Like his instincts, his playmaking ability and coverage. Like this is a player I want. He reminds me too much of Deion Jones not to fall in love with him, even though he's not a corner, wide receiver, tackle, whatever. I really like Patrick Queen. I think at 28, like this is a huge win. Like Steve said this too, like they're building from the back on the way in, like from the back seven, then to the trenches. Like they have a lot of very good coverage players, regardless of position. Yeah. I mean, Queen was a dream for the Ravens. They had a, we kept saying they have a lot of good options at linebacker to go with. And Queen, I didn't think he'd get there. Like, flat out didn't think he'd get there. So never even put put two into it together in my head. But he's perfect for them. Like, he gets to places in a hurry. Four, five speed. Like, explosiveness that you can't coach. So that fits what they do defensively. They you know, come away with a steal of the draft. A for them, 100%. And right after, I had my lowest grade. Oh, no, I had an F for a pick. We had some it was F, the, yeah. Yeah, it was the Kenneth Murray trade-up. But I, a D- minus for this Isaiah Wilson pick. I mean, I saw some people saying, like, this is a fit for Tennessee, even though he's a project tackle. We just had this take about um, Austin Jackson. Like, you just don't take project offensive tackles in the first round. And, like, project Isaiah Wilson is also not a good athlete. Like, this guy moves very slow. Like, he's a project because he's big. Like, I can't get on board with him being, like, this project's high ceiling type because, like, you watch him against some of the better edge defenders he played, Caleb on Chason, Julian Aquara, Jonathan Grenard. This guy gets dogged, like absolutely beat down. And I don't know how much better that's going to get when every edge defender he goes against is very good. Yeah, dude. Like athleticism is the – we've had we've talked about this at nauseum, but like athleticism should be the baseline for these offensive tackles. Not being able to move laterally is a non-starter. And, I, dude, I, I just – yeah, I, I called him a guard. Like, he's a guard. I think he's a guard at the NFL level, not a tackle. So you've, so maybe you drafted a good guard, So, I, but I still gave it a D. All right, Dolphins trading down. And I looked at the trade, actually, for the Packers. I don't hate the trade up as much. It's like pick 136 and, and, and 30. So they swapped picks, and the Packers gave up pick 136. Like, not an aggressive trade up by any means, but like the pa- pa- Dolphins trading down to 30. They pick up Noah Igbenogany, the Auburn cornerback. Like you said, speed comes off the board and this guy has it, a smooth moving cornerback with, I think it has, it has a very good ceiling in the NFL because of the high end you kind of see in his game. Still a very young player, absolute cheeks at the catch point. We've talked about his ball skills. Like they're just not good, but like what he does all before the ball is thrown, like on a lot of reps against good receivers, like in the SEC going against good receivers has me kind of liking this pick. I gave it a B. Yeah, I want B plus. And even though he's not on our board to like the fifties, because he has really bad ball skills, but like one, he's a great fit for their defense. Like man coverage, we kept saying he's one of the best man corners in this class. They run a lot of man. And two, for like the thought process of we have the two highest paid corners in the NFL. Let's use a first round pick at corner too to just make our secondary utterly dominant. Cause when you play man coverage, you need guys your third corner is as important as your first corner. It's you're only as good as your biggest mismatch when you play man. So to me, I, I love this pick. Now I'm not sure Igbenogany is going to be great at the NFL level, but like, I love the thought process here. Dare I say, if this is a phrase I just came up with, but eliteness over completeness here, or yes, <laughs> I might say I'm it. Just with you. I'm just, I mean, eliteness over completeness. So like eliteness we talked about this, but like, 
They have Xavier Howard. They have Byron Jones. There's no need to go to corner. But like, this guy's very good, and you like him. Like, go get him. Like, turn a strength into a bigger strength. Like, no egg monogamy at, at, at 30. I like the pick. Be, be great for that. Jeff Gladney, the next guy to come off the board, goes to the Vikings. I, I love this pick. A, I, I think he played a ton of quarters at TCU. He's a dog. He can handle. I mean, Solly was talking about he knows, or Solomon Wilcox. Um, he knows Mike Zimmer. He knows he's got tough skin. Jeff Gladney better to handle it. Like, this guy's going to be able to handle it. He's a very tough player. Good demeanor with him. I think Jeff Gladney. Instincts are awesome. Athletic ability. Like, there's a lot to like about Jeff Gladney. I'm glad he went in the first round. I think he's a first-round type of player. Yeah, so I, I everything I'll echo everything you mentioned, but I went A-minus because I would have rather had Jalen Johnson for them. I just think he's a little really? bit better. I mean, he's yeah. a little higher on our board. I would have rather had Jalen Johnson. But I like Jalen Johnson. We highlighted that in, the, in behind, uh, a few times as being a good fit for the Vikings. I mean, Jalen Johnson and Jeff Gladney are two of my favorites in this class. I really like both those players. Yeah. Uh, but J- Jalen Johnson on day two is going to be awesome. I don't know who's picking him up. I think that's going to be good value. All right, Chiefs. I feel like an idiot because they gave this a D and not an F. But like, I just running backs are fun. Like, just have like like I, I, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is cool. Like, good. Like, he's a good running back. And I know you're taking him in the first round. I hate the value. I tweeted this. I hate the value. But he's a good player. And mm-hmm. and maybe maybe the, maybe this is more completeness than eliteness. I don't fucking know the saying anymore. But like Clyde Edwards Hilaire to the Chiefs like makes that offense better. Was the right value? Probably not. They probably should have gone Trayvon Diggs or another position of higher value. But, like, I gave it a D. It's not good value. I still like Clyde edwards I gave it an F. Because, not because of the player. Not because he's of the talent level. Because I think if you draft a running back in the first round, you, it makes you play suboptimal football. You have a guy who is, good the, take. Good take. is the best, is the single best, you know, passer down the field in the NFL. He can do special things with his arm, and you have a dynamic receiving core who can get open down the field. You don't want to give the ball to Clyde Edwards. So you want to give the ball to Patrick Mahomes. You don't want Patrick Mahomes looking early to his check down. You want him keeping his eyes down the football field trying to make plays. I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire forces you into two suboptimal situations in that he asks you to run the ball more and that he asks and he kind of like asks Patrick Mahomes to look to his check down more. Two things I just don't want you doing. So... Yeah, this was, I mean, not, and that's not just because of running backs don't matter take. This to me uh, is an F for what it what it brings, what it kind of changes mindset wise for your football team. No, that's a good take. I, I agree with that. Like if you if you try and ter- you know give him twenty carries a game and, and take the ball out of like arguably the most valuable player in the NFL's hands, like you're making a mistake. Like don't don't do that. Um, that's going to do it for the every great, you know, grading every single pick in the first round kind of went with a speed round there, but ton of value. We're going to go favorite picks, least favorite picks, and then biggest surprise. I'll start with my favorite picks, CD lamb to Dallas and Jerry Judy to Denver. Like they, I feel like th- both those teams mm-hmm. I, first with Denver, they obviously wanted a receiver, but I don't think they thought they were going to be able to get Jerry Judy at 15. I think that's a slam dunk for them. And then CD to Dallas, like, they probably weren't even thinking about him. Like they were thinking other positions, Caleb on chase on baby CJ Henderson, but like all of a sudden this guy's in your lap. I'm just glad they, they sprinted the card in with CD lamb rather than like, Oh, actually we still wanted this position. Like, no lamb has just fallen to you, dude. Take him and make this receiving <laughs> core. Awesome. Dude. Yeah. So I love those two. I'm going to go just a slightly different route with these. I'm going to go Joe Burrow at the top, just because I, I love being, being here in Cincinnati, the fact that there's like hope is awesome. Like all the people I know around town who are actually Bengals fans are love are ha- so happy right now, and I I would be too. You actually have hope as a franchise for the first time in 
God, God knows how long. And then my second favorite pick, I'm going to go Patrick Queen to the Ravens. It's just not fair that they were able to get him at 28. Like that to me, you have one of the best defenses in the NFL, one of the best offenses in the NFL. The one like spot that was like an obvious need, they got some ridiculous value on. Man, like that, that was, that should not have happened. I'm, I'm upset at the rest of the NFL for letting that happen. But dude, Ravens, I just look out 2020. Least favorite picks. I have Kenneth Murray to the Chargers. I mean, the trade-up, I, I don't love the player in the first round. Then you factor in the trade-up. Like, I, I don't like that pick. I gave it an F. Isaiah Wilson to Tennessee. Again, we talked about project tackles. And Austin Jackson to Miami. So, like, the two project tackles yeah. getting drafted in the first round. And Kenneth Murray, the trade-up, just, I think, is all not great picks for me. I, I'm going to say the Chargers not making a play for Tua. Go, just stand and pat and go and Herbert. No one called didn't call the Lions, didn't call the Giants, didn't even think about it, and just stood their ground and got Herbert. I wonder if they, I don't know. I, this one just like, I don't, I just, I don't like it. I don't like it. I, I just, <laughs> I, I had such high hope. It's because I had such high hopes for the Chargers coming in. I'm like, dude, they could rip the doorknob off this draft, get Tua, get Christian Fulton in the second. Oh my God, could you imagine? No, no. Not going to happen. Unfortunate. But here we are. Biggest surprise for me, I have two. Kenneth okay. Murray and, and Jordan Brooks both going ahead of Patrick Queen. Like that very much surprised me. I was on, I feel like we were, I was on the podcast multiple times saying like Patrick Queen is so much better than Kenneth Murray and Jordan Brooks wasn't even in the conversation. Like I, I guess can't be overconfident in your valuation, but I still feel like Patrick Queen is the better linebacker of those guys. Maybe not the scheme fit, whatever you want to get into that. Mm. But like, I feel like Patrick Queen was the better player between those three. And then Cesar Ruiz to New Orleans, because I had a close friend. I would even call one of my best friends. Tell me, 95% chance the Saints are trading up. And really in this win-now strategy, that's what their GM does. Next thing you know, they're taking a guy that probably won't even play next year at 24, Cesar Ruiz, who's a good player, yes, at a low positional value. Like, I got freaking bamboozled, Mike. Okay. That was a big surprise for me, too. I don't know who told you that, but they're, I hope it dumb, was. they're a dumbass. Um, all right. Mine, though, this truthfully, and I was that was a surprise. Packers trade up for Jordan Love was a surprise. Um, but truthfully, by far and away, the biggest surprise to me was the Raiders drafting Damon Arnett. Damon Arnett's do not go 19th overall. When I'm talking, so when I say Damon Arnett's, I'm saying cornerbacks who are almost 24 years old. Cornerbacks who run four, five, six forties at the combine. Cornerbacks who have thirty-inch arms, which is well below the length you want at the position. Cornerbacks with like off-field issues, red flags. Those guys don't go in the first round. Let alone nineteenth overall, and let alone to a franchise that prioritized high-character guys on three first-round picks a year ago. So that one just like. Nothing about it I was able to wrap my head around. That one was crazy to me. That's just like purely out of left field. Could never have in a million years projected. Like if you gave me gave me a shot at their pick, the list of guys I would have had before Damon Arnett, probably like 75-ish guys in this class. Man. That's, There's I just mean, like I'm a not, lot of guys before I would have gotten to Damon it, Arnett. It surprised everyone on the broadcast like when we were doing the live show. Like I, I couldn't believe it. Like Damon Arnett. Like I, there were better cornerbacks available. Like guys yeah. with better character available. Younger players. Like I, I think you bring up all good points there. All right, I, we were gonna we were gonna stop here, but I feel like. 
the people, the two for one podcast listeners are not going to hear us until after day two. We got to preview day two and best available, some fits we like. I kind of want to give a, can we do a, a 10 more minutes, Mike? Give me 10 more minutes. I know it's 2 a.m. Can you give me 10 more minutes? What do you want? Let's give the I, people what they want. So I'm going to go ahead and rattle off like the five, six best players available according to PFF's board. Yep. And then let's just go ahead and pick some fits for them at the top of the second round. Or maybe they fucking fall further. I don't know. You're bad at evaluating <laughs> talent. Like here we are. All right. Christian Bolden of LSU. He's a 12th ranked player on PFS board. He's the best player available. Okay. After that, Josh Jones of Houston, Grant Tilpit of LSU. Actually, let's just start with Christian Fulton. Where are some fits for Christian Fulton, the best player available? God, I have no clue what the Panthers are going to do defensively, but they could obviously I was going to say the Panthers. They could obviously use a cornerback. Um, I don't know. The Jaguars could also use another cornerback. They have needs at both cornerback positions. I think the Bears, though. There we go. I'll say the Bears is an absolutely fantastic scheme fit for him. If he falls to 43, I can't see them passing on Christian Fulton. That would be hot yeah. for the Chicago Bears. All right, Josh Jones, the offensive tackle out of Houston. He's the second best player available If right he now. doesn't go 33rd overall to the Cincinnati Bengals, we riot. I take back everything I said about <laughs> the Joe Burrow being awesome and me being hyped about this. That would rip the doorknob off this draft for the mm-hmm. Cincinnati Bengals. That would be, That one makes... It makes too much sense that you know it's not going to happen because it's the Bengals. You go into every draft trying to rip the doorknob off. So I feel like Josh Jones, this is the move. This is definitely the move. All right, Grant, De- Grant Delpit, the LSU safety, the 15th ranked player on PFS board, third best available right now. So interesting note, not a single safety went round one. Oh, yeah. Um, I think you could go to the Patriots, though. Now, that, now Bill oh, Belichick man, has like said that. he doesn't – he hate, he needs guys to tackle, but Delpit – I think he could make an exception for with how talented he is. If not, I think he'd go to the Dolphins also. 39, they need safeties. He's a man coverage type of safety. That would be a great fit, too. All right, LaVisca Chenault, Colorado wide receiver. Who He might fall a bit in this Yeah, he's going to fall. He's definitely going to fall. I'm going to be really selfish here. I'm going to say the Packers at pick 60. <laughs> what is it? 62. That's where he should fall, to. That'd be great, right? I would, <laughs> I would, dude. I would love that shit. Or I'll say the Rams. One of the right, Rams Xavier, Xavier McKinney, the team stands out for me. Giants? I feel like Giants would like Giants Xavier, would McKinney be great for Xavier McKinney at 36. I really like that fit. Yeah. Giants or, again, Patriots-Dolphins. I think they're all in the market for safeties there, right at the top of the second. Um, I could see, gosh, where are we getting down to here? Mm, Bears as well be in the market. Would l- love to have a Xavier McKinney. I keep saying Antoine Winfield, but McKinney works there too. Sign me up. Next player on the list, AJ Epinesa to either the, you know to the Lions. Like Lions at thirty five. Yeah. AJ Epinesa, that is money in the bank. I, I feel like that would be a slam dunk for them. Yeah, Lions, Giants, hell, Patriots. Like any of those guys that are right in the forties would make a lot of sense for. Epinesa. I want to do three more players, Mike. Three more players. Okay. Michael Pittman Jr. I think Colts is Colts at thirty four, dude. It's, he it's doesn't gonna... come off the board. We gotta we riot. I think Colts Colts would be great. And then, uh, all right, Jordan Elliott, he's going to probably go a little bit further. PFF's been much higher mm-hmm. on Jordan Elliott than the consensus. Where, where do you think he could go to? All right, let's go down a little bit on this board. I think back end of the second, maybe even top of the third is where Elliott could come off. Some team fits that are making sense to me popping out right now. Dolphins maybe at 56. They still need some help on the interior even after drafting. Christian Wilkins last year. Um, gosh, who else? Uh, Lions down at 67 could make sense as well. So I think that's where you probably start to see him come off the board. All right. Jalen Johnson, Utah corner, maybe Texans, Browns, Jags. I, I feel like that's probably where I'm starting to feel pretty good. 
Yeah, I could even say the Panthers. I, I think because oh, he's yeah. so scheme versatile. I, I don't even know what. Like I said, I don't if know what Fulton's, they're going to run. If it's not Fulton, then Johnson. Yeah. Like Panthers should go corner two. here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. All right, Mike, I really appreciate it. We went Fantastic. up to 2 a.m. today. Get some sleep. I think we're starting early doors tomorrow as well. A lot of content to put out on PFF.com. If you haven't already, subscribe to PFF.edge or Elite Annual Subscription. You can save 30% off with promo code DRAFT2020. Also, continue to follow along PFF's live draft coverage. We're going to start tomorrow, I think it's 6, before day 2. Should be a lot of fun. Thanks again, Mike. This is Austin Gale, Mike Renner, 2-4 Drafts. Drafts.